I've got an interesting sermon for you today. I need you to pay attention to me. And uh, hopefully we get God's Word delivered to you. i got uh, Mason. You want to come up here for a minute? I'm going to put this on the stand so you don't even have to hold it, okay? Mason's going to read our scripture. It's found in uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Donnie read uh, Colossians 2. And uh, we're going to pick it up in verse or chapter 3, verse 1 through 17. If you'll give uh, God's word your divine attention as he reads. Since then, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. For Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, for Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the, to God the Father through Him. Amen. Let's give Him a hand. That was great. Thank you, sir. You may have a seat. In uh, April 17, 1963, I don't know if you all can remember that far back. Uh, I was just born in February the 5th, 1964. I said April 17th, 1964. Can you all remember that date? There's something unique that happened in American's history on that date. Uh, the night before, there was a NASCAR event in Huntsville, Alabama. And this car was going to be introduced at the NASCAR event. And at this NASCAR event, man, the fans got wind of this new car. And they jumped barricades, they jumped lines, they jumped fences to get a glimpse at this one car. And this car was the Ford Mustang that was unveiled at the New York Fair, World Fair that following day. But this car 
was unique. And this car was unveiled to the world and to America that day. And Ford only had a limited number available. And they had uh, this car out in dealerships. And in Seattle, they had such a display in this one showroom that a cement truck was staring, the guy driving was staring at this display of Ford Mustangs. He's never seen one, he wanted one, he's never uh, experienced it, and he rode right through the plate glass window of the Ford dealership. I mean, that must have been some kind of car. You see a picture of it up here on display. It's the convertible model, but they had a coupe too. But in 1964, April 17th, they introduced this car. Along with that, a Chicago dealership had a big display, and there were so many people that were trying to get into the display, the dealership had to close that day because it was just a mob of people. And in New Jersey, this dealer had one car, one Mustang on that day, and he had 15 buyers. What a good situation to be in. So this guy used his head, and he goes, well, I know what to do. I'll have an auction for this new Mustang that's in my showroom. And he had an auction, and one man walked away the winner. He wrote a check. The dealership wouldn't let the car go until the check cleared the bank. So he said, well, I'm going to sleep in my car here at the dealership until my check clears the bank. And he didn't want that dealer to sell that car to somebody else after he already purchased that car. So, uh, man, you could see what a big move this thing was. And there was another move that they had of this car. They had another dealership put this thing on a rack and raised it up. And the dealership was so crowded they had to leave that car up on the rack all day because there were so many people looking under this Ford Mustang, the 1964 model, that they couldn't believe it and they couldn't let it down off the rack. So, unbelievable. You might ask, what's the big deal? What is it about this car? You see, this is a car everybody wanted to see. This is a car everybody wanted to have. This is the car that changed a lifestyle. Okay? Amen? This is it. This is the Ford Mustang. They thought they'd sell hundreds of these cars. They sold thousands of these cars. They're still around today. I'm a car guy, and this thing strikes me as just the way to start this service off. Because, man, nowhere in America's history do you see people doing nutty things for a vehicle. All right? I'm also aware of this older gentleman, I was told, that had a, he was 70 years old, had one of these 64 Mustangs in his garage. And he baby dolled this car, okay? I'm a car guy, but I drive my cars, okay? They're, they're meant to be driven, okay? They made them to drive. I'm going to drive them. But this guy babied his car. He shined it. He trailered it. He went everywhere. But this car caused him to do different things. He was in love with this car. And, uh, man, you can take things to the extreme, can't you? But what a way to start out our, ser- our service today on this scripture. Let me uh, have you look at this. Rules and regulations in first or in Corinthians three, the first couple of verses in Colossians, I'm saying Colossians three, the first couple of verses, you see, Paul was addressing a problem they had at this church. The problem was there were some false teachers. All right. 
You might say, well, that doesn't pertain to us today. We don't have any false teaching. Wrong. We've got false teaching out there, folks. We've got a lot more than what you think, okay? And uh, there were some false teachers out there that said, hey, if you'll just keep all these rules and regulations, this will make you moral. Wow. Can you guys get that? Rules and regulations that are going to make me moral. Rules and regulations that I have to follow to be right. Has a rule or regulation, if I follow it to the T, can that make me right with God? The Pharisees thought so. Nicodemus thought so. But he met Jesus and he found out that only relationship with Jesus Christ can change a man into a moral being. Because as you see in the scripture, we are hidden with Christ. Our sins are washed away. Our shortcomings are gone. Okay? That doesn't mean... Catch this. That doesn't mean I quit lying. That doesn't mean I have a trouble forgiving. Alright? I'm human, folks. Hard to believe, but I am human. And I have just a hard enough time as you guys do. But one of the things I hold on to is knowing that my relationship with Jesus Christ is real and I gave him control of my life. I surrendered my life to him so he can be my righteousness. He takes all my shortcomings and he becomes my righteousness. And you see this in the first couple of verses. If you'll throw that up there, that first point there, guys. It says, uh, let's go, uh, seek. Just as these dealers had these Ford Mustangs, there were people out there seeking the perfect car. They wanted the perfect vehicle for them. Okay? We, as human beings, want to be loved. Alright? We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to know that we are important or we are loved and accepted by other people. Right? So we always seek to be that acceptance. Okay? He knew that. And he says, therefore... If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Seeking. All right? He didn't say seek earthly things. He says seek him that's seated on the right hand of God. Wow. Can you get what I got from this scripture? My Lord and Savior who died for my sins is seated. What do I get from that? Where do you guys sit after a long, hard day? Do you want to just go out and do some more work? No. You want to sit down. You want to rest. You want to watch some TV. You want to indulge a little, all right? That's what Jesus is. This is the most important place he could be seated is the right hand of God. And he is seated. His work is finished, okay? There's no new sin out there that we're going to come entangled with that he hasn't already forgiven us. Amen? I get tired when I go to out witnessing sometimes and I hear people go, yeah, I used to go to church. I used to do those things. And my youth even use that. Well, if you'll just wait a little while, let me get my life cleaned up and then I'll come to church and then I'll start doing what God wants me to do. Folks, it doesn't work that way. We don't clean up our lives. Our job is to trust him, to seek him. To seek those heavenly things. And if we do that, we don't have to focus on all these do's and don'ts. 
A lot of times they don't want to come to church because we're known as a do and don't type people. There's certain things that we can do. There's certain things that we can't do. And we're a do and don't type church. Shame the world thinks of us that way. But it says set our minds. Seek our earthly or our heavenly father the seated on the right hand of God. Put our mind there. Man, realize that he's won the battle. Amen? There's no new sin out there, guys, that's going to say, hey, you're going to hell. All right? only thing that's going to do that is we don't accept his free gift. Amen? All right, then it says, listen to this. Set your mind on things above and on the things that are, on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. All right. What's that saying? That my sins, the Heavenly Father does not see if I accepted Jesus Christ. They were covered with his blood on the cross. My dad always used to tell me, his blood washed me white as snow. Okay? So when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sins anymore if I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He sees his son's righteousness in me. There's nothing I've really worked for to get that righteousness. It's a gift of God. It's the grace that I receive that. I don't always understand why that is. Because it's hard for me to. Because I'm of the mentality of the sinful nature. I need to work. I need to do. I need to accomplish something. But God gave me a gift. A gift is a free gift. He gave me the gift of his righteousness of his son. Amen? You all understand that. Okay. So we set your mind on things above. Then the last thing I see here. Hopefully it comes up. We need to put to death a few things. Okay? All right. As we go on in Scripture, it says, Therefore, consider your members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, greed, which is amount of idolatry, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you will once walked when you were living in them. But now you are putting them aside, anger, malice, slander, abusive speech, from which your mouth do not lie to anyone another since you have laid aside your old self and its evil practices and have put on a new self and that is being renewed a true knowledge according to the image of the one who has created him a renewed in which there is no distinction between Greek or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbaric or sinister slave or a free man Christ is all and in all. Guys, here it is in black and white. Put to death these things. Is it hard? Is it hard to put those things to death? I mean, look at that list. Sexual immorality. I can't even turn on the TV anymore and watch what I watch because sometimes they deal with that on national TV. Impurities. Man, that might be anything. Lust. Lust is a big one. Man, computers nowadays, 
bombard us with lust on the computer. TV commercials. Big deal on lust. Evil desire. Greed. Greed, man. Does America got greed? Yes, we do. Man, even if you consider yourself on the low end, we still have a lot of greed at that end, okay? I mean, uh, a couple of times when we've done our big back-to-school giveaways, I'm amazed at some of the people that come by, but I don't expect anything less. Is Sometimes they want more than what we want to give, right? They want two bags of school supplies. They got a friend, maybe. They got something else going on. But there is greed out there in the world, okay? There's greed all around us. Wrath. Do you ever get mad at somebody? Malice. It's taking it to the next level. Wishing evil things on people, all right? Slander. Filthy language. I hate to say it, but my daughter's on the soccer team. There's a couple kids on there that know know this language pretty well. I don't know if they don't think I can hear them or what, but man, they don't care. They do it. I don't think they got a mom and dad that wants them to use any other language. It's out there. I'm sure they didn't teach them that language. It just kept them pretty nicely, all right? But it's all out there. And he says, take off this stuff. Put to death. You might say, well, Brent, what are you saying here? Well, a couple of Christmases ago, I got the Christmas tree out of the garage. It's in a box. Brought it in the house. We got a room up there. It's kind of our computer room, junk room type thing. I put it in there, unpacked it, and Tracy said, there might be something living in there. We might need to leave it up there. Close the door. Sure enough, man, we had mice. A mouse, okay. We had a mouse. This thing was a sly little mouse, okay. Uh, we knew he was in there. We saw him chewing at the door, you know. We kept the door closed, and the carpet was all chewed up there, and he was wanting to get out of there. Tracy didn't invite him. I didn't invite him. I know the kids didn't invite him, okay. But we wanted to get rid of this mouse, okay? And we set traps. I bought several traps. This thing was one smart mouse. It didn't want to get caught. But after a week of trying, guess what? I finally caught him. He was dead. And I pitched him out. That's what he wants to do with our old self. There's an old tradition in Africa. If you... I have come to know Christ. And we kind of do it here when we get baptized. We put on white robes. They used to burn their old clothes because they didn't want to be known as the person they were known before they knew Christ. So they got a new white robe to symbolize their new life they had in Christ, which is what we do in baptism too because we give that appearance of dying to self and raising again and being a new person. A new self. And this is kind of what we're going to talk about here. But one of the things I have a problem here is, have you ever met anybody that you got angry with? Okay. I'm sure if you don't want to be a liar in church, and that's another one of these things, you know, I mean, lying's one of them too, okay? We've all done it, okay? There's not one of us that should say, hey, I'm perfect, okay? Not one of us, Okay. Sometimes I have a hard time, okay? I'm human. I know you are too, okay? Sometimes I look at it and go, wow, should I really forgive that person? And then I look back at my life. I'm going, he says, if I want to be forgiven, I need to forgive other people. 
He says, if I want to be forgiven of my shortcomings, I need to forgive other people. You know, God, I have no problem with you forgiving me. Now, thank God. I mean, praise him, you know. But I've got a real problem about forgiving my neighbor. About being nice. Guys, this Facebook thing's terrible sometimes. I deal with it because I'm a youth pastor. But man, I'll visit some of these sites and some of these people rip somebody a new one right there in public view on Facebook. And I'm going, oh, man, why don't they listen? Why don't they think before they put it in writing? I mean, it's easy when you don't have to come face to face with somebody to talk bad about them, right? Oh, man, it's not even on the phone no more. It's on Facebook. Now, don't you go to Facebook and be checking out everybody's site going, I wonder who he's talking about, okay? No, all right? That's not healing the problem, okay? That's adding to the problem. That's the gossip thing, okay? That's not a godly characteristic either, okay? But God says, hey, put these things off. Put them to death. Get rid of them. And then you might be saying, well, Brent, they don't go to our church, so it's all right for me to do that. You think that's right? No. God says for me to treat everybody. We just studied the woman at the well. She was different ethnic, all right? She was a Samaritan lady, okay? Did Jesus go, man, I can't talk to this person. I just can't go up and have compassion for her. I know she's had five husbands, but man, I can't talk to somebody like that. Somebody might talk something, all right? Somebody might give me a bad name. No. He had compassion on the lady and went to her and dealt with the problem. Offered her living water that changed her life. Amen? Changed her morals. It wasn't by keeping a bunch of rules. She couldn't do that already. It was by Him coming. It was by Him being who He was that was able to forgive. Amen? So many times we forget that. We go past that. All right. Next on our slide here. Hit me that picture there, guys. Put to death. There should be a picture coming up on our screen here. It's a cute picture. It's one of the ones that was in my baby room. I think my mom and dad picked that up at maybe the grocery store or something, but it's been in my baby book and it's been everywhere. I always think of this picture because I like to fish. I like to do these different things. And uh, this is a cute little picture. Are you guys able to pull that thing up? No, it's not knowing. Oh, man. They're on my point, man. Well, I'll improvise. All right. This boy was just so cute, okay? He's a little kid, and he's sitting on the bank, and these fish are laughing at him because he's got a pole in his hand. He's got this pole around here, and he's got the fish hook hitting him in the back, okay? And this is a cute little picture, you know? You, you just kind of got to laugh at it. But I kind of thought that was me growing up, okay? Because I loved to fish, okay? But uh, I wasn't too good all the time about fishing. I loved to go, but sometimes I didn't always catch the fish, okay? But in keeping these do's and don'ts, if we always focus on what we shouldn't do, and I'm going to make a good point here, is I want you to really think about this, and I want you to, you know, just get every detail of this picture, okay? You got them all? Now I want every one of you to close your eyes and not think about this picture. Close your eyes and don't think about this little boy, his color of his hair, his eyes, what he has in his hand, 
what color his pants are. I don't want you to think about them at all. Are you guys having any problem not thinking about this cute little picture? Okay, hopefully you are. You can open your eyes now. I'm doing that to prove a point. Because when we concentrate on the do's and don'ts of life, we can't live life to the fullest. We can't be the Christian people that we need to be to live this life before our family, before our church members, before the people of the world, okay? Because we're living a do and don't life. And when you concentrate on what you shouldn't do, you usually do it. I had many embarrassing things when my wife maybe planted a thought in my mind or something, and I embarrassed myself by saying what she said when I shouldn't have said what she said, okay? Because, you know, those things, kind of, you concentrate on those things. So anymore, she doesn't worry about what I'm going to say. She doesn't worry about, hey, Brent, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's just, man, if I don't think about those things, I'm more apt not to do those things. You know what I mean? Amen? All right, so there's your point there. You guys can take that picture down. The next thing there is a problem that we need to solve, and we can't solve it by the list, but we need to put on, okay? We need to put on these different things. We need to don't lie to one another. Another one. These are all spelled out in Scripture. Heart of compassion. This is a good one. If I can figure out where your heart is, if God can figure out where your heart is, He can change you. Amen? He usually changes your heart if you can figure out. That's the reason we went to Nicaragua this last year. I'm telling you, family, that was a good investment in your kids to send in this youth group to Nicaragua and adults. Because when we got on a foreign turf, when we got on there seeing the need, and we got to know that, hey, we could help meet a need in God's name. And, man, we are very blessed people back here in the U.S. God has blessed us for a reason, and that's to serve him, to have a heart of compassion, to let you all know that we can make a difference in this world. And that's kind of where my sermon is today, is by us putting these things on in Christ, in the kindness, you know, all these things that we're putting on, God can change our world. God could change us if we just focus on Him being the one that gives us the power. Him being the one that can seal the deal. Give us these new self that we need to put on. These old clothes need to come off and put on these new clothes. Today in Kroger's, man, I don't know if you know it, but I go get donuts every Sunday. And every Sunday I go in Kroger's, I usually talk to the help and all that. And I usually walk back behind the counter, grab my donuts. They're used to me now and everything. So if chocolate milk's not in the little thing. I usually go back in the back room and see if they got any chocolate milk. You know, I'm pretty well welcome around there. Today, they knew something was up. I was in a suit jacket, tie, and they were going, wow, what's up? You're dressed different. See, the world notices when you dress, what you wear. And by us putting on these things that Christ is telling us to put on, the world takes notice. They take, they, they, they know that there's something different. They know that you need to be about that, but they've never seen anybody wear those things. It's so cool when the tornado came through that we're able to help, okay? Not that a lot of people got hurt, not that a lot of things happened, 
But man, in life, there's going to be trials and there's going to be bad things happen. We need to be set. We need to have the heart of compassion. We need to be the ones that go and minister. Amen? We need to see Jesus in us because we might be the only Bible they ever read. One statistic when I was reading this, getting ready for service, shocked me to no end. You know, I always think people read their Bible. I always think they do a quiet time. They, they spend time in God's Word. But you want to know, over 65% of church-going people do not spend time reading God's Word. Wow. So, when this thing says, dwell in His Word richly, and that's another way how you change and put on this new self, is it becomes what you fill your mind with. Amen? Instead of the do's and don'ts, we need to be filling our minds with scriptures. Faith flexors the other day. <laughs> we got the workout crew. All right? They love to work out. Some of them do, some of them don't. On, uh, on this day where we're doing, uh, what is that when we run? Uh, I don't know. It's one of these things you run. How many of y'all like to run? That's the worst part about football practices, running for me. I hated it. I know Chris Winkleman down here at First Baptist. He used to be like me, but now he's changed. He loves to run. And I'd see him out, you know, about the neighborhood running. I'm going, man, Lord, help me never to get that gene, all right? <laughs> I can handle the walking, but I don't want to be the runner, okay? These guys run three or four miles. I'm going, man, why don't you just get in the car and go, you know? But uh, I can't believe that's fun. Anyway, my point is, I don't even forget my point, man. <laughs> See, you guys get me going. Here it is. The reason we're able to do this, Christ is all and in all. And he closes this end of this chapter up with verse 17. Whenever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay? It's all about Him. It's nothing about us. We are just His craftsmanship that's got blessed majorly. We are made in His image. And the only way we're able to do this is because God first loved us. And He says the love is the thing that binds us all together. Love is the thing that this new self lives on, okay? To put on all these things, we need love first most, okay? And then we can do it. In doing this preparation... I have a hard time sometimes forgiving, forgetting. This week I had an interesting thing happen. It was hard to deal with. But God works on me. It's in love. He doesn't want me to live a defeated life, but he wants me to know that I'm love. A lot of times when we go through hard times in life, we're like kids. When they get a whipping. When I used to get whipped, taken out of church for talking or whatever, my dad used to lay the paddle to me. I wasn't always drilled to death to have the paddle laid to me. I didn't say, hey, I want another one, okay? That was not the way it worked, okay? It was something you didn't want. When God lays the paddle to me, sometimes it's something I don't want. But I know he disciplines those he loves. It's hard, but it's God's way of helping us become the new person that we need to become, okay? And life isn't always a bed of roses, a lot of people say, hey, I'm a Christian. Yes. 
But in Christian lives, it's sometimes hard to live. Okay? It's sometimes hard to understand. This week I was called into the emergency room for one person, and there's another person there when I got there. It was just, man, sometimes life's hard. You've got to deal with different things in life. But the one thing that we can always hang on to is Jesus Christ is our life. He's the reason I get up in the morning. There's more to this life than this world. Okay? Just as these people were getting excited about the Ford Mustang, going crazy, I need to get excited about Christ in me and this new being that I'm becoming. I'm 48 and I still ain't to become the perfect person that I need to become down here on earth to be used by Him. I still learn a lot of lessons. You guys are learning a lot of lessons. We never can sit back and go, wow, I'm glad I'm a Christian. I just get to relax. The only one person that gets to do that is Jesus because he's seated at the right hand of God. He's conquered everything. He's forgave us for all our sin. It's up to us to live it out. And tell these other people, hey, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And there's a start principle I like to go to. Should be next slide. Start by putting on your new clothes. The S means stop making excuses. Guys, I know this sermon's hard. I know this thing he's talking about in here is hard sometimes. But we can make all kinds of excuses why I can't. The famous one's Moses. I got him hanging up in my office. You want to come see him, all right? Every day I walk in there, I see Moses. And my prayer is, God, help me not to be the guy that makes excuses. Help me to be the guy that goes and does what you need to have done, even if possible as it looks. Help me to go and do it. He was scared to death to go back and see the Pharaoh. Who went with him, guys? Who went with Moses? God did. Can you be scared when you got God on your side? Man, I love to have him being able to talk to me. That's the reason it's important for you getting God's Word and know what God's Word says. It's exciting. I got a boy that's getting ready to go to school, and I've talked to him and talked to him. Dad doesn't know a thing. Hey, my dad did the same thing to me. But the only way I learned is by making mistakes and having a loving dad that I came home to that said, love me anyway, even though I made the mistakes. He is our Heavenly Father, guys. He loves us. Even though we fall and stumble, we still need to get back up. We still need to go. Don't make excuses. The other T in start is take inventory. I gave you a couple of lists. Inventory of what you don't want, your old clothes. Inventory of new clothes. I'm a very hands-on type guy. I go out and I change oil and I do different things. I always don't think I got the time to go back in the house and change clothes before I start a project. My wife, when she comes home, looks at me and goes, You've been changing oil, haven't you? How can you tell? I got it on me. I'm a messy type of worker. Hey, that's the way I am. But she always preaches to me, I need to go in. I need to change my clothes before I start something I'm going to get dirty on. Hey, he's preaching at us here, folks. We need to change some of the stuff we've got going on in our lives. Okay? We need to change it and make sure we put on the new self, the new clothes of Christ.
The other one. It's A. All right. Act in faith. I put a scripture here, Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God always asks you to do something out of your comfort zone. Okay? He's never asking me to do something I can handle on my own. Because guess what? When I handle it on my own, it gets done Brent's way and not God's way. Amen? It's always got to be a big task. Now, I've said this and said this. You've been here a long time. I want a God-sized task where I've got to get out of my comfort zone. Amen? This building you're sitting in today was a God-sized task. All right? We wanted a sanctuary. We got a gymnasium. We got a kitchen. Has God been able to bless us richly? Yes. Because we got out of our comfort zone. We saw beyond a sanctuary. We saw beyond, hey, we're going to use this seven days a week. We're going to use this to minister to other people that we don't even know, Golden Circle. We're going to use this to minister to high school students on the week. We're going to have groups come in here and stay. That's the reason we need showers. Hey, God's got a plan. Just think big, okay? God's big. Act in faith. Hebrews 11.6. R. Refocus your thoughts. Here it is. If I keep my thoughts on earthly things, I'm only going to accomplish earthly things. But if I start thinking, hey, I'm making a difference in somebody's life for Christ. I start thinking of heavenly things. I start thinking about his eternity, their eternity. And it changes me on what I'm looking at and what I'm working to. If I'm working for heavenly things, it's got a more lasting impression, more lasting uh, jobs, job done because it'll stay there for eternity. He says, what I bind here on earth will be bound. But what I bind for heaven, it's going to be bound, okay? It's going to be bound for him. Amen? And that's what we need to focus on, these heavenly things, changing people's life, being Jesus to other people through this new self that we put on. Okay? We got judgment house that's going to be happening at the end of this month. I ain't telling you. I got Ryan Brazier sitting right over here. The man doesn't know what he walked into. Of course, he's been in it a couple of years, and me and Dave are kind of helping him, but... Man, Judgment House, you need at least 300 volunteers to even pull the thing off. Okay? God-sized task to get 300 people working together. And you know one of the hardest things sometimes is when people put on their old self and start bickering and fighting amongst themselves, the 300 people, before you ever put this Jesus thing on. You know what I mean? That just drives me nuts. VBS is the same way. We're human, I know that. But man, focus on the important things. Changing people's lives. Being used by Him. Not what people said. Not our little tiffs or fights or whatever we get into. Focus on Him. Refocus. We live on earth and it's hard to keep a heavenly focus. And I think that's the reason He said, concentrate on the heaven. On me seated on my throne. Knowing I've conquered the world, and knowing you can too, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Refocus on His power, not yours. Last one. Trust God. Guys, I have no idea why He gave us such a powerful message in His Word. It changes lives. It's powerful. 
It changes human beings. But you need to trust God and let go. That's where the invitation starts today. We need to trust God. You might be sitting out here, you might be a Christian for a long time, but you might be having these old self still, struggling, taking those clothes off, putting on this new self. I want you to know there's a God who made you that knows exactly what you're going through. He can help you if you just trust Him. Okay? And that's the big thing is He knows all about what I struggle with. When I make excuses why I can't, why I can't forgive somebody, why I can't do some different things, he goes, Brent, you were my enemy before I forgave you. Brent, you weren't on my side. You weren't good enough. You might look good, pretty, pretty good now, but you were nowhere close when I started you. And he's not going to be finished with me for a long time. So this thing that you can arrive, you can't arrive. You can be working on and getting better. And one more thing. When we trust God, there's no other person that matters more in my life than Him. Because if I put Him number one, everything else fails in comparison. And everything else is put in its order. Okay? Some people live life for the wrong things. Just like the guy that loved his Mustang. He missed out on a lot of life because he took care of that car that was just a car. We put our focus on a lot of wrong things sometimes. If God can convict you of that, let him confess those things and trust him in those things. Amen. If you would stand today. If you would, bow your head. Don't think about that young kid with blue eyes that had a fishing pole in his hand. Don't think about that. Heavenly Father, as we uh, start refocusing our lives, start uh, looking at you as the one that needs all the glory, as the one that needs to get all the glory in our lives, Heavenly Father, help us to really see what we're living our lives for. Tell my Father, it's hard sometimes to put off myself. To take a different look at me and see what you see sometimes. But I just pray that you do that to each one of these people in here today. That you would give them eyes to see what they need to change. And what a cost it costs you for us to be able to put these new clothes on. And, Heavenly Father, all those things have to do is with a relationship with your church. A relationship with each one of us being the church here on earth and the relationships that we live in this church. It's not this building. It's the people inside. Heavenly Father, help us to focus. Help us to get our focus on you and get excited about what you can do and not on the do's and don'ts. 
move in this service as only you can. There's people here that need to accept you as their Lord and Savior for the first time. I pray that they'd walk this aisle tonight or today. There are Christians that are here today that need to say, Hey, I've been living in the wrong clothes. I want Jesus Christ's clothes. I want to resemble Him. Help them to do that, Lord. Help them to see that as possible. And help them to see the excitement in living for you. Reminded again of John 10.10. You come to give us a life, a life more abundantly. That's life here on earth and hereafter. It's exciting to live for you. Help them to see that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.